Today we begin a brand new season, a series of messages, this week and three more weeks, and it's called this, When God's Fire Touches God's People. You think that'll make a difference if God's fire touches God's people? Sure it will. You know, we understand in sports language, you said, men, get all fired up. And when you're trying to get something done, you say, let's get fired up. Let's give everything we've gotten to it. We have invested in something that's eternal. And so we're talking about let's get fired up. And I think today I'm hoping that God will come into us and to help us. Now, I'm not sure if heaven had anything to do with North Carolina and Duke last night, but Duke never got fired up. I mean, the fire didn't hit that side of the court, right? And some of y'all are happy about it. I'm telling you, I can tell right now you're just grinning like a chess cat. But that's okay. We know in the context of God's people and God's place and God's house, there is something supernatural that's available to all of us. And so these next four weeks, I want to be taking you to scenes in the Bible where God touched his people with supernatural fire from heaven. If you have your Bible, you would want to mark some of these, and I want you to take it and turn uh, to the book of uh, First, uh, First Kings uh, chapter uh, 18. First Kings chapter 18. Also, I'd like for you to get your little bulletin out and make some notes, take it home. And if God speaks to your heart, right in front of you, there is a prayer card, there's a communication card in the little rack. And in a little while, we'll take those in, up and and I want to pray over If you have a prayer request, I want to enter into that with you and be able to pray with you. If our guest today, I hope you'll fill that out and turn it in in a little while. And I'm trusting that God will speak to all of our hearts. In light of everything that we heard and everything we've sung, this spring is going to be an awesome time for us. In our, in our connection groups and in our church, we're going to enter into the season and we're going to talk about March Madness. March Madness seems that the attention is turned to uh, competitions and looking for champions. And, the, and really, the whole U.S. is doing that. But here in the church, we're not going to be talking about a basketball game. We're going to be talking about reaching out of this place and going and inviting our friends, inviting our neighbors, try to get them connected to Jesus so that God can change their life. And God wants to use you. You have a world. You have connections. You have things that nobody else can do. And God wants to use all of us in this month we're going to be looking at that. And then when we reach into April, you know, we're going to have three incredible Sundays in April. I want you to tell everybody about it. The first Sunday will be Palm Sunday. Second Sunday will be Easter Sunday. And we're going to have beautiful music and, and almost like a concert of music on that morning. And interwoven into that, we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to have Easter communion and musical celebration. And I want you to fill this place up the next Sunday. We're going to have one of my favorite speakers in all of America. His name is Dr. Tim Lee. Dr. Tim Lee lost both his legs in Vietnam. Someone said of him, whatever he lost in his legs, he got in his voice. And God's put the Holy Spirit in him. I mean, Tim Lee's been in our church. He is known worldwide. He's been back to Vietnam and preached to the Vietnam people numbers of times. One of the most exciting preachers. We're going to have him here on that morning, Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I want you to mark those dates, if you will, on your calendar. Let's get out. Let's bring people to Jesus. And before we do that, I want God to begin to help us to get touched by the fire of God. If you've opened your Bible, you know that we're in one of the most incredible stories in the Bible. It is the story where Elijah 
comes face to face, nose to nose, with Ahab, who was the king of Israel. And I want to tell you the whole story in a moment. But here is the key verse. It's found in verses 37 and verse 38. And he is praying. Elijah is praying. And here's his prayer. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. That this people may know that you are the Lord God. You know what we need to be reminded of today, folks? There is a God in heaven, right? There is a big God in heaven. We were singing some great songs, and I was thinking through several of them. I want to thank you guys for setting it up. I was saying, God, we have a big God. We have a big God. And there they are. And then he says this, Lord God, that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Lord, I want to thank you that you are God and you have turned their hearts back to you again. Right in the middle of this scene, God has come down. God has touched his people. God sent fire from heaven, and we're going to talk about that. And the Bible says right after that statement, in the very next verse, then the fire fell. You know, I've been looking at stories of God intervening in society. Do you know God is still at work? You believe that? Believe God's still at work? I was, I was thinking about things we can take away from this message today. Though the enemy may be overwhelming and the circumstances seem impossible, God wins. Right? Let me say that again. Though the enemy seems overwhelming and the circumstances seem impossible. What's the last two words? Let's all say that. One, two, three. God wins. That's not strong enough. You didn't believe it yet. All right, here we go. We're getting fired up, right? <laughs> okay. All of these things. And then it says, one, two, three. God wins. Now, we can take that out of this building because we're going to go to a spot on this earth where God himself overcame overwhelming odds and impossible circumstances. The Bible we find before us teaches us many things about the fire of God. If you walk through the, through the, through the pages of the Bible, you'll find out that it warms us. It protects us. You'll find out that it excites us. You'll find out that it energizes us. You'll find out that it cleanses us. It judges us. It changes us. It empowers us. The Word of God draws us. Did you know that? The fire of God is felt in all of these things. The fire of God attracts us. I never forget a story I read some time ago, a little town, and all of a sudden the church caught on fire. Man, it was a historic church. Everybody was out there looking at this thing, and it was on fire. One of the members of the church looked to one of his neighbors, and he said, Hey, man, it's the first time I've ever seen you at church. He looked back at him and said, First time church ever been on fire. You know what happens when God's church gets on fire? It attracts people. It attracts people. And what I'm praying is God going to send his fire into every heart of our people, and today we're going to start. 
I put it this way, the fire of the Lord has been a symbol of God's power and presence of men, among men since the beginning. God sent his fire upon the altar of sacrifice in the desert. Forty years he kept his people warm. He was at the burning bush at the call of Moses. The fire of God came upon the early church in the form of cloven tongues of fire. And they went out and they spoke and they talked about God because the fire of God changes everything. How did Israel get here? Let me give you a quick history. This is going to be more in the form of a story this morning. The first king of Israel was a man by the name of Saul. Really wasn't God's choice, it was a people's choice. He was handsome, he was big, head and shoulders of everybody else. He was man's, man's king. He sat on the throne and it wasn't long before everybody understood this guy was, shouldn't be there because he was going in the wrong direction. And God sent his servant, while that man was still on the throne, he sent his servant to a little place and there was a, uh, a man had many sons and he said, I want you to go over here and anoint one of his sons is going to be the rightful king. And so they did. And Jesse saw the prophet coming, and he said, I'm glad you're here. And the prophet said to Jesse, the father, I've come here to anoint one of your sons. Line them up, and they lined them up, and they went through all of these sons. And yet he said, don't you? He said, is this all your sons? He said, well, no, but I got, I got a little runt. You know, he's not much because we keep him out in the field. And his name is David. And the prophet of God said, go get David. We're all going to stand until he gets here. So they summons David. He came out, of the, out, out of the, from the sheep, and he came up, and he was standing there. And as soon as Samuel the prophet saw him, God said in his heart, that is the king of Israel. And he became the David that slew the giant, that one day sat on the throne. In fact, God called him the man after my own heart. And David didn't always succeed. David failed. But if you ever want to read the the, the prayer of true repentance, read Psalm 51. David failed and he cried out to God. He said, purge me with this. He was a man after God's own heart. David had two sons. I'm sorry, David had a son. He anointed his son Solomon. And Solomon kind of lived for God. Solomon had two sons. One of them's named Rehoboam, one, the other one's named Jeroboam. Anybody here named Jeroboam? There's a reason for that. Those two sons couldn't get along. They split Israel into two parts. Tribe of Judah, one of the 12 tribes, and Benjamin, they stayed in Jerusalem. Rehoboam came there king. The 10 tribes called themselves Israel. They went over to Samaria. And they built tabernacles there. And Jeroboam began to really wander away from God. Rehoboam did too, but not like Jeroboam. Soon in this this tribe, there came a king called Asa. He reigned 42 years. Jeroboam's tribe wasn't as successful. They really turned away from God. They began to embrace Baal worship more and more and more. One of the kings actually only lasted seven days. He was anointed king, and the guy who wanted with king killed him, just like it burned him in his house. He lasted seven days. And boy, they were going down, 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 until they set a man on the throne whose name was Ahab. And Ahab married a woman named 
Jezebel. Now, what, what goes on inside your mind when I say Jezebel? Is that a good reaction? No. Fellas, if you've married Jezebel, you're in trouble. And women, if you've married Ahab, you know what? You're in trouble. Because Ahab was a weak man. Jezebel was a wicked woman. Baal worship was historic. But it was incredibly cruel. In Baal worship, the parents would have to take their children up to a big image of Baal, had fire coming out, and they'd take their babies up there, and they'd lay them on the altar and stand back and watch them burn to Baal. Baal Baal worship was immoral. It was absolutely cruel. It was horrible. Listen to me. The whole nation of Israel had turned away from God and had said, worshiping Baal, Baal. And so God speaks to his servant. And this is where we pick it up right here. That's what brought Israel and Judah to this mountain. What brought Elijah to this mountain? Well, if you have your Bible open, you'll notice in verse 37 and 38. In his prayer, he reveals his heart. How did he get here? He said, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art God. The first thing he did was to worship. The second thing he did was he said, I have served you. If you really want God to change things in your home, we need to turn our eyes to the God of heaven and worship him. And that leads us to prayer. And prayer leads us to service. Service leads us to obedience, and obedience will lead us to victory. He believed, now listen to me, and he acted. Now when you read this story, it's really pretty funny. In chapter 17, it's gotten so bad, God sends his prophet down there and says, all right, listen, time out. He said, I want you to go tell the king. Now, I can't even imagine this. Meanest king, they said he did more things, more evil things. The Bible says King Ahab did more wicked things than any other king that had ever lived. And he said he was excited by his wife to do even more wicked things. So God says, I want you to go tell the most wicked man in the world that it's not going to rain for three years. So he marches up there to him. That's some bravery right there. And he says, Ahab... God said, it's not going to rain. He turned around and walked off. It didn't rain one year. It didn't rain two years. It didn't rain three years. And Ahab was looking for Elijah. He said, I'm going to cut his throat. He's put a curse on us. Find him. He became enemy number one in the whole kingdom. They searched for him high and low. Three years, James says, three years and six months. Three and a half years, no rain. The whole nation was starving for water. And Ahab blamed Elijah. Now God says, okay. Now go tell, tell King Ahab that you're going to come see him. So he goes up and all of a sudden he sees a man 
who was supposedly a follower of God. His name was Obadiah, but he worked for King Ahab. He said, Obadiah, go tell Ahab that I'm here to meet him. Obadiah says, I'm not going to tell you. Good night. If I know you. You've already done this many times. Everybody's been looking for you. As soon as we get there, you'll be gone. I'm going to go tell him that you're ready to meet him, and he'll come back here, and you won't be here, and he'll kill me. Reading the Bible, I'm telling it just like he said it. Elijah said, no, I'll be here. Bring him. So he goes and gets Ahab. Ahab comes, and he points his finger at him, and he says, you're the one that's caused all the problems in our nation. Elijah looked at him and said, no, I'm not. You are. Because you've left God. Because you've left God, God shut off the water. But he said, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's meet on Mount Carmel and decide who's God. Woo! So Ahab went back and he got 400 prophets of Baal. And, of course, his wife had to help. She had 450 servants of Baal serving unto him. So they come up on top of Mount Carmel. Here's King Ahab. Here's Queen Jezebel. And behind them, 850 prophets of Baal. And one servant of God. Now think about that. So he walks up there. And he says, we're going to have a little showdown today. I want everybody to listen. Whole, the whole, I mean, this, the place was filled with people. So we're going to have a showdown here today. And they said, what are we going to do? So, well, we're going to set up an altar. You set up your altar. I'll set up God's altar. You get all your prayers and you come over here and let's just see. He said, well, what's the most precious thing we have? Water. Okay. What's the next most precious? He said, probably food. He said, okay, we'll set up the altar. We'll build your offer. Put it all there. Put wood on it. Cut up a bullet. Cut up that thing, a, a means of sacrifice, and uh, y'all pray. This is where it gets funny to me. Okay? So all these prophets of Baal, they gather around this thing, and they start praying. God's in them fire. God's in them fire. God's in them fire. The Bible says they started in the morning. They're dancing around. Ooh, God sent down fire. God, God sent down fire. Elijah just went over like this watching. God sent down fire. It comes to noon. He starts mocking them. What's the matter with your God? How, where's Baal? True. If you hadn't read the story, he said he may be on a long journey. Y'all need to call him harder. So guess what they started? The Bible says they started dancing and cutting themselves. <laughs> Cut each other. Blood running. He said, you know, you may be asleep. Maybe y'all ought to holler louder. And they're jumping up and down and hollering. The Bible says they started that about noon. And in the evening, they prayed to their bail all day long. And finally, they were just exhausted. And then he gives this challenge. Just tell you what we'll do. Let's see whose God will answer by fire. And everybody said, okay. And he stood over there and he called out to God. 
63 words. Lord, just so these folks will know (laughs) that you are God. And Lord, just so they'll know that you're real and I'm your servant. Lord, send down some fire. They thought he was crazy. For one thing, he had not only set up the altar, not only had he put the bullock, but he had circled it around like this with a big, deep circle, like a ditch. What was the most precious thing in Israel right now? What was it? Water. He said, bring me uh, four barrels of water. They must have said, where do you think we're going to get that? It hasn't rained in three and a half years. Go get them. So they bring these four barrels. He said, pour it over the altar. <laughs> he said, now do it again. Do what? So I don't even know where they got it. Four more barrels of water. <laughs> Eight barrels. He said, go do it again. You are out of your ever-loving mind. Do it again. Four more barrels. <laughs> There were two twelves at this altar. God had taken 12 stones and told Elijah, I want you to circle this thing with 12 stones. Let that represent every family. Man, I'm glad of that. I want to tell you something. When, you, when we come here to this church, your family's not left out. God wants to represent your family. And he had every family represented. And wow, there it was. And then he took 12 barrels of water. And I think they were just shaking their head and said, this man is crazy. And then, 63 words. And the Bible says, in this simplicity, then the fire fell. And the Bible said it burned up the offering, it burned up the wood, and it burned up the water. And they stood there with their mind. And I'm sure in their heart they were saying, why in the world have we been following a God that cannot answer prayer and left a God who can do that? And I want to remind you something, folks. The enemy may seem overwhelming. And the circumstances seem, what? Impossible. But in the end, God wins. Amen? And it was on the mountain, and this is a place where God sent his fire. And God changed everything. You see, there was this terrible drought. I looked down through this, and I thought, wow. This was a supernatural drought. It was a showdown. They had the altar of Baal. Then they restored the altar of God, the place of prayer. I've been thinking about something. You know, I think sometimes the great, we have all these sins we think are terribly great, right? And so many times we look at somebody else and say, he does something I'd never do. She does something I'd never do. And we evaluate ourselves among ourselves. Do you know what God seems to say in this passage? The greatest sin of all 
is this. That you have left God and you are worshiping other gods. Now let's be real honest. Nobody here but us. You can be a good person and not be worshiping God. You you can be a moral person and have other gods before our God. You can even pray and not have God. And the first commandment of all was, thou shalt have what? No other gods before me. And I am convinced in my mind that the devil had put bait and 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 and he had drawn them away from the true God to worship Baal. And I don't think they ever sat down in their mind and said, we're just going to do away with that God. We're going to embrace it. I think it was little step, little step, little step at a time. And what God was wanting to show them, no matter how you got here, I want to be your God. No matter who you are, I want to be your God. No matter what your circumstances are, I want to be your God. And I don't want you to trust anybody but me because I can do more for you than anybody. And when that fire fell, (laughs) I I can't even imagine what they started doing. Can y'all? Can you imagine how silly those guys felt over there who had cuts on their body? And everything? Well, I'm sure that wasn't worth it. I can tell you that right this minute. That wasn't worth it. And God said, okay, now, my fire is a cleansing fire. My fire is a confirming fire. He is God. My fire that I'll send among you is a convicting power. It sheds light on who I am and what I want to be. And it is a changing fire. The next thing that happened is what this place is all about. It's what this church is all about. Now they knew that there was no other God but our God. There was no other hope but our God. There was no other forgiveness from our God. And they knew it. And they were caught with an opportunity to express their faith. When we started, we said he worshipped. If you are here today, I am so proud of you because somehow God put into your heart a desire to go to the church. You got up this morning, you washed up, you cleaned up, you got on some clothes that were appropriate to be in the house of God. Most of you brushed your teeth, some of you combed your hair, and here we are. Hallelujah. In God's house. Worshiping Him. That's the doorway. I mean, that's it. We're recognizing God. And this may be the first time you've ever been in God's house when you truly have said, yeah, there is a God. He worshiped. He said, Lord, I want to be your servant. 
He obeyed God. He prayed. The fire fell. What happens when God's people get serious about praying? Last night, I got, Maida called me in, and she said, she said, honey, I know when she says honey, it's good. Right? If she says darling, that's something else. She says, hey, I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Code words. But anyway, she said, boy, you ought to go look on this email. Have you looked on your Facebook lately? And I said, I really haven't. And last night I opened a Facebook from a young man named Steve Guptill. And some of the people who are in our church, at the very beginning of our church, remember Steve and his precious wife. They worked in the nursery for a long time. His dad was not a Christian. We prayed for his dad last night. Last night. This is last night. God already knew what I was going to be preaching. God already knew about praying. He said, Pastor... I just wanted to let you know that my dad came to faith in Christ on Wednesday morning in the hospital room in Hartford this week. He went to be with the Lord yesterday in peace at 88 years old. It was an amazing testimony of the grace and faithfulness of our Lord Jesus. As I know you and I and many of the Kingsway family prayed for my dad over the years. I've been witnessing to him since I was baptized and discipled under your ministry 19 years ago. Hallelujah. On Tuesday morning, when I was rushing to catch my flight to Boston to see my dad, who only had hours, I just grabbed the nearest Bible. It turned out to be my old Schofield reference Bible, my first Bible that you gave me when I was in 1993 when I got saved. And he heard the word right out of the Bible. And he accepted Christ on Wednesday morning. Thank you, Pastor. And may the Lord continue to bless your ministry. Listen to this. It's harvest time, Steve. Wow. That was one of those times I want to get up and run around my desk. Y'all know what I'm saying? Just, you, know, I'm, you know how calm and reserved I am. Everybody in here knows how reserved I am. But every once in a while, bless God... God does something. I was reading about prayers of God's people. Did you know uh, about a century ago in New York City, a bunch of guys got together on a morning, and they had at noon, they started having a prayer meeting on noon, and then another one started, and another one started, and another one started, until finally, listen to me, there were 10,000 men in New York City that were meeting weekly to pray for God's power. And you know what? God sent a revival to New York City. You go check the record and people would fall in the street. They'd just be walking down the street and the conviction of God would hit them and they'd fall in the street and say, God, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Woo. When God's fire gets a hold of God's people, things change. He wins. Hallelujah. He wins. There's so many stories in this auditorium. And then he said, all right. If you want the rain to come back, we've already seen the fire. Now you got to get rid of the things that are keeping you from serving God. And you said, boy, preacher, this was cruel. 
It seems cruel, but it was a picture for us. God said to Elijah, you got to go get rid of 850 prophets of Baal. And you know what? They did. I believe this in my heart. Every one of those prophets of Baal had a name. Every one of them. And I have no idea what your Baal would be or my Baal would be or the one that I would be putting before God. But you know, all of us have something. If we're not careful, it'll sneak its way in. And you know what God says to do? If you really want to see the fire and you want to see the rain come in, into your dry soul and you want to see God do something supernatural, then I want you to get on your knees. I want you to acknowledge me. I want, you to, I want to send the fire of God in your soul. I want you to get around that old altar and I want you in your heart to kill that Baal, whatever is standing before you and God. And when you do, I'll send the rain. And that's exactly what happened. Rain in the Bible. This cooling rain of God is a symbol of God's blessing. And they did that. Now listen. I'm compressing a whole lot into a short amount of time. Steve Guptill said, I've been praying for my dad for 19 years. But guess what, folks? It seemed impossible, right? Seemed overwhelming. But in the end, what's the answer? God wins and right before he went into heaven wow he had the privilege to open that old Bible say dad here's what God says and his dad said I'd like that and in that surrender he handed all his bales all his gods over to God and the true God came into his heart did you hear the little phrase hey preacher my dad died in Peace. You know why? He'd set aside his bail. He'd trusted the true God. He'd had the reign of God in his soul. And it brought peace. That's precious. That's precious. And they, every one of us, we deal with those things in our life. Listen to what God says. Lay aside, or fillet it, get rid of it. The sin that so easily besets you. Not all of us have the same temptations. But would you agree with me? We're all tempted. Anybody here perfect? Oh, no. no, no. If you are, please come down. We'll all, because there's only one perfect one in the universe, right? We're all sinners, God says. And each one of us has a different thing in our life that would keep us from being what God wants us to be. But when I'm able to go to the altar of God and say, God, I'm, I'm, I want to swap. Here's my old bail. And God, I want you in my life. And as soon as he did that, he prayed. And he believed. And he sent his servant. He said, go see if the rain's coming. He went down and looked at him and said, came back. Don't see anything. He still prayed. Prayed a little while. Go see. Nope, not yet. Seven times. Seven times he prayed and he sent his servant. And he said, you see anything? And he came running back and he said, I see a cloud. Not very big, just about the size, Bible says, of a man's hand. He jumped up. He said, it's on the way. <laughs> and he told Ahab, Ahab, you better get in that chariot, son. You better get off this hill because it's fixing to rain. If you get caught on this hill in the rain, you're going to be drowned in your chariot. Get out of here. And everybody started running. 
And that little old cloud began to grow. And before the Bible, in a little while the Bible says, the sky grew dark and it rained. And you say, but preacher, I don't have the energy. I don't have the spiritual energy that Elijah had. Listen to this. He's an old man. I'm young compared to Elijah at this time in his life. He comes off, off that mountain. Here's Ahab. He's trying to get away in his chariot. And the Bible says that Elijah started running down the hill. <laughs> and the Bible said, and God gave him strength. And he got back to town before the king did, riding in the chariot, being pulled by horses. Right on by the chariot. God empowers us to do his will. You say, I can't go and witness somebody. You're, you're, you're not doubting yourself. You're doubting God. I can't really pray for anybody. Come on now. We have a, what, big God. God can use every one of us. I talk about my mom a little bit. I love her spirit because I think she's got this same kind of spirit. We were down to see her a couple of weeks ago. We were going to go on and she was going to follow us in her car. She'll be 93 April 1st. She, that may be why she's lived so long. She was born on April Fool's Day. I, what, what can I say? <laughs> so we decided, maybe I'll decide, we're going to drive and she'll follow us. So we're driving down the road. We told her where we were going to go. And I kept looking in the rearview mirror. I looked up and she wasn't there. And I said, oh, man, I've lost her. And I said, I, Mom's not behind us anymore. Mado said, there she goes. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Wasn't it, sweetheart? Boom. We got to the restaurant, and I, she, I said, Mama, what? She said, you drive way too slow. <laughs> Poop. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say to you that things may look overwhelming. And circumstances may look Impossible. But in the end, what? God wins. I don't know where you are in this process, but I'll tell you one thing. God wants to bring the fire of God into your heart, wherever you are. You may be a parent trying the best you know how to raise your child, and you want values in their life, and you want God to help you, and you want God to use your children. And you may be that couple that's here today, and you're saying in your heart, you know, preaching one of the most precious things in my life is my kids, and, and I want to try to get them. Then okay, then get in step with God and let God strengthen you and let God give you that energy so you can run out ahead of them. You can run out ahead of the world. You can run out ahead of all the temptations, and you can lead them the way home, but you have to have Jesus Christ in your life in order to do that whatever it might be whatever it might be those words ring and I want to ring in your mind this week the fire of God what fell would you say that with me let's say that the fire of God fell. If you can honestly say this, I'd like for you to join me in saying, I want the fire of God to follow me. I really do. I really do. 
really do. If you want that, you don't have to say it out loud. But in your heart, would you say it with me? I want the fire of God to fall on me. And here's the reality. When God's fire touches God's people, things change. God hears. God wins. Heaven is filled. Souls come to the Lord. Homes are restored. When God comes in. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we are just so glad today. We've got a great group of folks here. Lord, we're all in your presence. You know us. You know every one of us. And in this moment, oh God, may our hearts be open to you. Holy Spirit of God. Speak to my heart, to every heart. I want you to keep your heads bowed. I want you to think about your own situation, where you are right now. If you're here today and in your spiritual journey, you've never come to the place where you know that you know that you know. No doubts that you're on your way to heaven. Then today I want you to thank God for that. And I want you to ask him about the next step. If you are here today and you do not know that you know, that you know, that you know that you're on your way to heaven, don't walk out that door without Jesus. That may be why God brought you here today. So you could find him. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Oh, God's made it so that everybody Everybody, young and old, educated, uneducated, can call upon God and God will save you, change you, indwell you, forgive you. You have to do just the same thing Elijah did. You have to pray. You have to ask him. The power wasn't in the prayer. The power was in the God that he was talking to. And salvation is not in a prayer. Salvation is in the God that we talk to. Right where you're sitting. If today you want to open your heart and you say, Pastor, God has spoken to me. I want Christ in my life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine Jesus Christ. He may appear to you in your mind a man on a cross. He may appear to you as the resurrected Christ. But I want you to imagine him in front of you. I want you to talk to him. I want you to say this to him. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. I know that I am a sinner. I've done things wrong. But Lord, I want you to come into my heart today and forgive me take all my sin away come live inside me I'm trusting you today into my life thank you for coming in to my life today 
take me to heaven when I die. Nobody looking around, just you and me. If you prayed that today and really meant it, I want you to slip your hand up so I can see it. And I want to rejoice with you. How many of all across this great auditorium say, I prayed that preacher and I'm in it. God bless you, sir. God bless you, lady. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you right back there. Anyone else? Say, I, I, I want Christ. Christian, how many of us today would say, Lord, I need a fresh touch of your fire in my life? Would you just acknowledge that and raise your hand to God and say, God, I want a new touch. I do love you, God. But I want a fresh touch. Amen. All of this building. My hands are raised.